Hey, uh, YouTube podcast listener, Chris here. What you're about to hear in this episode is a discussion of U2's design choices over the years. And we did a video version that's going to be available if you visit goodstuff.fm slash ATU2 slash 62 or on the Good Stuff YouTube channel. And the video version actually is sort of tells the whole story. Obviously, you can appreciate that talking about visual things in audio only is a bit more difficult. And so this is a bit of an experiment with trying to do a more visual focused podcast. The audio side suffers a little. So if you're ever kind of confused, you might want to flip over to the video version. We are still going to present the audio version for you to listen to just in terms of completeness for the audio podcast folks who are out there. But uh, I apologize in advance if we don't always go into great detail about what we're talking about, what we're seeing. Hopefully as a YouTube fan, you're probably well aware of most of the album covers, single covers, programs, all that kind of stuff, but it may suffer a little bit. So apologize in advance, but anyways, enjoy the show. All right, hello, welcome to the At YouTube Podcast, episode number 62, the one where I finally remembered to set up the audio fade for the live recording. We're talking all things U2, including Joshua Tree Tour, but actually on this episode, let's just skip all that. We're talking just design, creative design of U2 over the years. We've got a lot to cover, so we're just going to jump right into it. We're skipping the inbox, skipping all the stuff just to get into the discussion. So it'll be a visually oriented show, so there'll be a YouTube version that hopefully works, <laughs> knock on wood or Edge's guitar or something. Uh, that you'll want to watch if you can, and uh, but we'll do our best in the audio side to also keep you entertained as we do this. So along for the ride, I have got to my ooh, visually left, my right, I think. I don't know which, whatever. She's beside me is beside me. There we go. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Chris. Long time, time listener. <laughs> <laughs> we've been meaning we've been talking about a design yeah. one because you're what's your uh, your U two claim to fame as it were? Um, I do the cartoon for at U two called Octoon Baby, and I've been doing that for fifteen years now. So fifteen, holy cow! Fifteen, wow. <laughs> halfway to a Joshua Tree awesome. reunion tour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, diagonally opposite from me is Ian. Welcome back, Ian. Hello, hello. And for the visual folks who are watching, you can see Ian's got his new Joshua Tree shirt on. Fancy so shiny, logo. so chrome. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> below me, who actually, I guess I was going to say this is your first time, but it's not actually. You were on once when we were talking the YouTube tattoo project. Beth, mm-hmm. welcome mm-hmm. back. Hi, thank I, you. I, I don't remember which episode that was exactly. Probably in the I'm going to say in the teens somewhere when we were young and thought we would live forever <laughs> those were the days yeah all right so we'll uh, get right into it what we're gonna aim to do anyways is talk through the design of you two's primary sort of jumping off from the album artwork and then sort of going from there uh with these illustrious folks on the show and uh starting i guess ian you're gonna help help guide me while uh, or guide us while i guide the technical aspect of it but uh starting even pre-album Right, we're going all the way back, or not? Do you want to go pre-album? We want to go. We've got a. What is this? What are we looking at right now? The a shirt of some sort. Uh, That was um, a shirt Larry designed and created um, when they were at Mount Temple. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
and I, <laughs> I first saw this at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, back in 2011. I think they had it on display. They don't have it anymore. And um, I just I love this because it's it's YouTube before they were you know YouTube trademark. Um, it was before they had an album out. It was before they had had uh, Steve Averill their like, um, logos or album covers for them. And so it's really. You know, you know, Larry did the band, and I love that Larry created this shirt, and it's his attempt at a at first logo. And um, Chris, I don't know if you want to dip into the uh, <laughs> the stuff we said we weren't going to dip into um, in that pre-album folder. <laughs> There's uh, that YouTube autograph book too. Um, oh yeah. And uh, and we we see that same circle logo again, and. Um, I just, I love it as a, as a logo starting point, you know, that it's, it's a circle, it's eternal, um, which I think has proven to be important 40 plus years later now. And uh, it, it was really crude and how he would have had to make it in the 1970s. I envision in some shop yeah. class where he's cutting Ruby lith and assembling these geometric shapes um, and screen printing his own t-shirt. So um, like visually, I feel like that's where, that's where they start with that logo. And it even made it onto some early um, buttons that got produced uh, and that show up in the, um, in the YouTube by YouTube book. Um, so. Yeah. Very cool. I always in in the beginning, that. there was a circle. <laughs> I always thought that the hyphen was like the result of, like bad copywriters on their promotional posters and stuff like that, <laughs> but it's official. Evidently it used to be you hyphen to. Yeah. The, the inconsistency of those early logos, um, you know, sometimes it was you hyphen to sometimes it was uh, you period to period. Sometimes it was the you twos and there was no consistency Aww. and I don't think they really cared, you know, um, I mean, you're right. Ian. it was a lot of times like a, a newspaper ad designer putting together something. Um, so uh, I, I, I liked, I liked the hyphen. I liked the um, sort of mutability of the, the early versions of you two. <laughs> oh, so what, what, what you've got on screen now, Chris is a, uh, this is a little hobby of mine is like anytime I see you two kind of in the wild, but not <laughs> in the context say. of the band, right. I just start assembling it because it still looks like a logo. Like, like they could easily just grab yes. that little, you know, yeah. oval mm -hmm. lozenge and put it on a shirt and it's the songs of experience <laughs> logo. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody who's ever been in a band or tried to start a band knows that you start with your album, either your album artwork or your logo band name first before you even worry about songs. And, and then that very, that changes every time you do it. Cause you're, you know, typically either drawing it by hand or maybe just grabbing whatever random clip art to put together a poster. And obviously back in the late seventies, it would have been even more crude than that. And, uh, so it's, it's funny to sort of see them, their attempts, uh, anyways, through the years as they're getting started anyways, what, <laughs> what they were using for a logo. What's yeah. So you two Christmas in June, U dash two. So. <laughs> Lots of fun. So then we, again, we'll, we'll skip around a little bit, but like as we sort of dive into their first album, uh, obviously people are fairly, I would assume you're fairly familiar <laughs> with the album artwork at this point, if you're a U2 fan. Um, who wants to jump off on Boy? 
I'll I'll take it. Um, we see the appearance of Peter Rowan, uh, who who we'll see again um, on War two albums later, and again talking about the logo because that's where you know my my passion lies. I love that this is their debut album, and their name is so obscured. Like you have to look for yeah. it in the the top of Peter Rowan's hair. Um, and this is the album introducing them, you know, to to the world outside of Dublin. Um, and uh, it was just so unexpected for, you know, a rock group to to not see their faces. What I like yeah, about else? it is how everything is so white and sparse and like just there's like these white planes throughout it. And it's something they've come back to for a number of their later albums. But with this one, it, it feels like it's the most appropriate just because it is about the boy. It is about the white space that's open to be developed, open to be created. And yeah, I just they could have easily put a bunch of color in it and a bunch of decorations, but instead they chose to just leave uh, the nice clean white sheets. And I think it works really well with the album. Yeah. I think it's a perfect <laughs> for a debut album and they just kind of lucked into this perfect little model. It's, it's he's so beautiful. And, uh, I guess unintentionally controversial. So in, in the United States, we had this weird stretched out high contrast album cover of the four and it's nowhere near as memorable or as impactful. I don't think. Um, <laughs> and if you, if you want to make an image like this yourself, all you have to do is take a photo, put it on a photocopier and just wiggle it a little bit <laughs> as the light goes back and forth and you've got like instant boy type artwork. So yeah, go USA. Well, and, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, and it was, it was their debut in the U S and it, and it was a piece of artwork that they, they and their team didn't even create. I mean, that was the, like U.S. Uh, leg of the the record label doing it, so it always feels a little kind of inauthentic to me. Although that's a, that's a lot of people's first taste of them, and and the and the and the original one, the Peter Rowan one, is so clever because it's a, a, a homophone or a rebus or something, you know, boy that the word is absent from the cover, and instead you just see the yeah. picture of the boy, and it's it's cryptic. You two uh, sort of at their best. <laughs> What yeah, they're just barely of the, out of their teens, you know? Crazy. What did you think of the mm -hmm. single covers and the stuff like that? I, I think with the singles compared to the album, the thing with Boys, it has like the least consistency from one release to the next. Uh, mm -hmm. It just seemed like they found images they thought were cool, um, even if they were like kind of funky or a little bit amateur, and they just released them with the singles. Uh I don't really get like an overall message from it other than that they probably just thought the images were good releases. And then you show three Peter Rowan and which completely negates what I just said. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there we go. That's what but then you go yeah. to another day and it's, yeah. it's Bono's drawings and you're right. Like no, no visual cohesiveness. I mean, maybe there's something to be said for, you know, kind of the crude quality of Bono as a boy you know, or a teen drawing them, but then you get to the really abstract 
powerful um, 11 o'clock TikTok cover, which is which is one of my all time yeah. favorite visuals of uh, of U2s. Um, but yeah, you're right, Ian. There's just no there's no thread. Except that pesky Rowan kid. <laughs> he always looks a little bit shocked or surprised. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Take off my shirt. <laughs> so do we want to do October next? All right, so we lost. Yes. There we go. I found October. October. Lost it just like. <laughs> so yeah, talk to, uh, was Kelly, you want to take yeah. the lead on October and just sort of sure. describe what you see? Okay, well, October to me is sort of an outlier amongst all of their releases. Um, and it reminds me a lot of albums that my parents used to have in the 70s with the uh, songs listed on the front cover and all this white space and um, the back. It reminds me of like the freewheeling Bob Dylan, that album cover. And apparently they were going for sort of a Soviet type font typeface there I, I don't really get it but that's what I had read um, I think I, I love this photo because Bono looks like he's having a religious experience here um, he just his blue eyes like just the focus of it and then you've got Edge over there and he looks like this big mighty oak tree you know over on this side um, and Bono is just like sky and water. And if I can keep going with this, Adam is sort of like this fancy shrub. And Larry is like a little bandy type fawn, you know, just, just hiding behind Edge. And it's very sweet. Um, and the record company apparently hated this album cover design. And, um, but they, you know, persisted and said, this is exactly what we want. <laughs> So that, that's, that's my party take on October there. I'm sure Adam would appreciate at, being a little shrub, I'm sure. Go ahead, Ian. Yeah. I was looking at shrub. pictures of it earlier, and Bono just has so many kind of like pouty, like cheeks drawn in looks. I mean, it honestly, <laughs> I started thinking of Zoolander and right. Blue Steel, <laughs> where he's just like pursing his lips and like start stopping throwing stars in midair. Right it, there's just so many right things on. where he's just like, Staring intently into the future with a, like pouty cheeks. Yes, it's the like band look, right? That you have to do, and you think you need to do or whatever to <laughs> look cool or something. And I guess so, yeah. Then we have a. We'll run through the singles quickly here, but uh, Gloria with some interesting echoing and mirroring of the image. Oops, wrong button. I'll go there. There we go. <laughs> This is one of my yeah. favorite early YouTube covers. Um, yeah, I mean, I just love the kind of spirals. And to me, it kind of echoes the visuals that they did with Vertigo, uh, the huge red spirals. It um, it's It's got that mm -hmm. same kind of, like, what's the word, vertiguous, like, pattern to it. And it just, it seems like it's head and shoulders above a lot of the other early stuff they did. Yeah, that's a it's a favorite, even as much as it hurts my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I also really liked Fire, just because it it also was such a departure from other 
covers that they did where, I mean, it's just basically the surface of the sun just erupting out against this black field. And again, October during the singles is where I think they really were starting to find their like visual identity. I think they lost it again in a bit in war, but um, some of the single covers in October, I think are really good. And that's, I mean, for me, I think October, the album is their worst looking album. So the fact that they had such interesting visuals for the singles, um, it's, it's interesting to me. And they were, were they already at this stage working with someone like Steve Avril or was it? Yeah. I yes. think he started, he started with boy, didn't he? Mm-hmm. All the way. Yeah. He was, he was, yeah. All right. Next up, we're on, uh, into war now back to full screen there. I love the, the of Peter Rowan. Yeah. And the little cut on his lip, which I, if I remember correctly, wasn't intentional or was just happened to be there. He had something on his mouth or whatever. Sore. Yeah. Or something like that. It, but cut, it kind of yeah. definitely adds to the mystique or whatever of the, the visual sure. of them. Yeah. The, uh, the vulnerability of boy is gone and now he's, um, angry and a little aggressive and, um, I think the uh, the the black, white, and red is just what makes this one of their most, you know, kind of powerful, memorable album covers. Um, we see this one tattooed a lot. When people think of logos, they they think of this one a lot. Um, and I think it's interesting to see it uh, to see this aesthetic return with dismantle many many years later. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I had read and, that uh, a, it, oops. Go, ahead. go ahead, Kelly. Well, I had read that their uh, typeface in the red was supposed to uh, be a kind of like a throwback to life magazine, that logo and uh, t- to look like it's, it's news. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, I think some of the outtakes from this photo shoot have Peter Rowan in uh, the helmet that shows up in, in um, the best of uh, 80 to 90 and um, probably skipping ahead a little bit talking about Joshua Tree, but that's one of the most striking visuals to me from the, uh, yeah, that's the image from the um, the 2017 Joshua Tree tour is seeing all of these different people uh, from all walks of life putting on this helmet during Bullet the Blue Sky. And uh, for me, it's just a direct connection to to Peter Rowan sort of suiting up for war. Yeah, actually I hadn't connected that even thinking back to the show I saw. I mean, uh, it was a while ago or whatever. And, and one show you kind of takes a while to sort of catch all the visuals, but uh, I hadn't even connected that helmet as being so iconically U2 in the moment anyways, but uh, obviously now seeing it in context, it's pretty obvious what they're, they're going after there. But uh, it's, it's often on, I know lyrically and thematically there's sort of two camps with U2 where it's like, it's just a happy accident that they reference something and happen to have a lyric about whatever that's maybe a callback. And then there's the other camp that's like, no, everything's intentional. It's all, you know, from there's a direct line through everything. And, and so visually it's so interesting too, to see that play out where there's, you can say like, definitely, obviously the helmet was intentional. I'm not saying it wasn't, but there's so oftentimes it's, you know, it's like with the vertigo cover that Ian mentioned a uh, single or whatever, like maybe that was intentional. Maybe it wasn't, but it, 
can be, and, and oftentimes Bono will speak of it as if it was intentional when maybe it actually wasn't intentional, but it just happened to work out nicely and makes for a good story. And so it's a part myth, part fact, and that's kind of the fun, I guess, of all of this too. So yeah. So some of the singles for In War Era. Go live. Yeah, this is probably the best looking one of the lot just because it does maintain the same ethos once they get on to like uh, uh, Two Hearts Beat is One and Sunday Bloody Sunday, they start just having these big slaps of color across them that I'm not sure how much I agree with the colors they chose and the way they chose to use them. But at least with New Year's Day, they still maintain the same aesthetic and keep it all tied together and looking good. Mm-hmm. They almost use red as a neutral. It's like black, white, red yeah. throughout yeah. so many of the mm-hmm. albums that I almost don't see it as a color. Mm-hmm. And we'll skip into Under a Blood Red Sky, speaking of red. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is their first live release, right? Of, and so obviously first corresponding album yeah, cover they- for a live they had some live tracks they released, but this was the first album. And actually, I want to amend what I said earlier. I think this is a worse cover than October. <laughs> is it too on the nose for you, or what's the? I just, I just think the. I mean, fundamentally, the image quality I think is just so bad. And I know they were in their early days, yeah. and they didn't have the budget, and they were barely able to make the concert itself work out. But, uh, it's, I mean, it's actually going back to Atomic Bomb, where you go inside the booklet, and some of the images just look so bad. Uh, even though you know they probably could have done better, and I don't know that they could have done better with this, but I still think that the images looks just look so rough in it. Yeah, I think they actually took photos of the video while it was playing on a television. I mean, Bono on the back cover has that horizontal line going through him, like yeah. it's been paused. You know, yeah. <laughs> they the they line cut there. off Edge's face. It's terrible on the back. <laughs> See, these are the kind of things that I uh, almost wish you didn't know, because then now it'll yeah. bug you forever that yeah. you see that Edge's head is cut. <laughs> yeah. And then that big image I or- is so ugly. I ugh, yep. hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I ordered the uh, the shirt. I ordered under a blood red sky um, with that, yeah. that front cover image on it, the silhouette. And I got it. And the... Um, uh, when you, when you look closely, um, it, it, it's pixelated and it's to the point where I can't figure out if it's like a bootleg shirt or if it's just, you know, stripped from the photo of video quality. Uh, but it, it, it drives me crazy. <laughs> uh, see, I'm wearing a shirt with under a blood red sky on it now. And it's just a red graphic on a black shirt. Um, I stand up a little bit. Oh yeah. That. And I uh-huh. went to a park one day and an old lady said it was a really pretty shirt. So there you go. <laughs> so you tell her, Can you see the pixels? Can you see the pixels? Oh. <laughs> what I don't like are the like superfluous um, quotation marks on under a blood red sky on, on the album cover. <laughs> Why did they do that? Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah. I've actually, 
actually never noticed that, Kelly. But now looking at it in uh, in graphic design, there's a term uh, in typography called a hanging indent, and uh, and they yeah. and they've um, they've they've used it like the letters, the words are aligned, and that thrills me that that quote mark isn't pushing the text over. Uh, I've never seen that before. <laughs> I can sleep better tonight. Good job. <laughs> we'll all sleep better knowing. Uh, all right, so then uh, moving on to Unforgettable Fire and uh, okay. Wide Awake in America. Well, I think I signed up for this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. I think this is the uh, first time we see an Anton Corbine uh, photograph on the cover of um, one of their albums. And this is a an infrared photo of a ruined castle. Um Let's see, what had I read? I, they, destroyed structures have a primal power, was what Steve Averill said about um, this particular castle choice. And I think it is a really powerful image. Uh, that sky is just epic. It is it, beautiful diagonals on there. And then, where is the band? And, and I see, I think that is Bono, <laughs> bottom center. And Edge and maybe Adam is in the doorway back there. Um, where's Larry? It, it, those little <laughs> white shapes sort of to the left of the doorway. Maybe that's him. And, and like, what is Bono looking at? You know, it looks like a torture device of some kind. And, you know, maybe that's what's going on with Larry. Um and you turn it over, and on the back you do see Larry, so he's okay. Um, <laughs> I really love the color choice, the uh, sort of purplish uh, magenta-type color. Uh, the typeface is unique, sort of a, an Asian-looking script. Uh, since it was inspired by, the album was inspired by an exhibition of drawings and paintings by survivors of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Pretty cool. And you're never going to see this color again from you two or this typeface. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's interesting how they're now at this point really be becoming rock stars. And yet you hardly ever see them on their releases except for October. And yeah, this is sort of them on the cover, but just barely. And uh, I, I read that Bono hates the pose that he has taken here with like his hand over his head like that. He says it's hysterical and arch. And uh, at least he's hand? wearing a hat. <laughs> yeah, it's, he it's like he's got his elbow up. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was a towel, like a hair drying towel. That's what I've always thought it was. No. <laughs> it's okay. I see that as his arm, and he's got a hat on covering up yep. the bad part of the mullet. So that was smart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's, def it's definitely a towel, and he's wearing a bathrobe. Uh, <laughs> and I can't tell if those are – I can't tell if he's wearing, like, light, light boots or if it's his pants rolled up and he's barefoot. Like, this is the – this is, like, the Where's Waldo of the U2 album covers. Um, I have I have no idea what's going on in it. yeah. Leaves you with more questions than answers. I totally agree with you about the sky. I mean, the sky is one of the big like themes that Unforgettable Fire keeps on touching on, mm. Indian Summer Sky and all that. And I think the whatever exposure they got in this picture is just awesome. Um, and then as far as the font goes, 
We didn't see it again, but I've always connected it with the Octone Baby font. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're brush scripts, kind of hand mm-hmm. done. They have a, a calligraphic feel to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, going into, let's see what other stuff we've got here. Oh, yeah, some of the singles and. <laughs> <laughs> So we're looking at the Pride single. We're not doing a great job for the audio, folks, I know. Um, so may, we might just release this only as a video version because it, it almost requires that you see what we're talking about, obviously. Um, but uh, the just if for no other reason than to see Bono, Bono's hair. <laughs> looking, he looks like very, he looks older. And it's probably just the shading a bit, the darkness. Um, but uh, yeah, they look a little more grizzled. <laughs> And, and angry. At Grizzled at 24. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They've seen things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of grizzled. Yeah. Adam is just telegraphing everything with the Unforgettable Fire single cover. I don't care. I'm just going to have a cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on with Bono there? It's- it makes you appreciate from the, just from a layout perspective for whoever has been doing layouts over the year, like the, where, whether it's Steve Avril or whoever, but like having four members instead of five just makes everything so much easier. <laughs> a square, four, a grid, perfect. Symmetrical, done. Uh, I, forget, I don't know if, what, if there's any extras. No. Okay. Go back into... And then Wide Awake in America. This one I remember uh, just in my friend's basement when I was introduced to you two, he had this album or the CD, not the album, but the CD for the purists out there. Um, and being just, I don't know why, like it seemed, it doesn't seem now in hindsight like that amazing of a cover to me, but I remember it grabbing my attention as like a band or a you know, rock group or whatever that was, um, I don't know, just vibrant, alive, and uh and obviously hearing the music at the time bad and stuff that was on the album um, just really drew me into this band as a not wide awake in America. Wasn't the, the album for me that drew me in, but it was definitely like a visual kind of road marker or whatever on my path to YouTube fandom. So for me, I think my favorite part is, I mean, I remember seeing it when I was younger and first getting into YouTube, but Honestly, I, the thing I like the most about it is how it bookends with Wide Awake in Europe, and they were able to get, to my eye, a similar vibe, even though it's Bono at completely different stages of his life and completely different positions, but they still just kind of get that, uh, I don't know, just slightly intangible feel to them. Like, your fingers could kind of run through whoever the picture is of, and yeah, I just like the corresponding images decades apart. I think was that it for that era? I guess they got the digital booklet. Oh. <laughs> More color. It's just the color. It's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Gorgeous>. <laughs> and then we go to a little album called The Joshua Tree. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly sigh covers. <laughs> say that hasn't already been said a million times about these photos they're just iconic and perfect and mysterious and cool you know 
yeah, this is if the earlier attempts at band photos were, um, you know, awkward and inevitably at least two of the members, if not more, didn't have a good pose, but only one did. So that's whoever <laughs> got the vote on, on the <laughs> photograph to use or whatever, where this one, it seems like they all kind of nailed, nailed it. <laughs> Beth, did you want to take the lead on this? It, it, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's cinematic. It's a nice continuation in the, uh, Anton Corbin series. And, um, it's, uh, you know, the, it was the, the landscape and the geography that, that made it as classic an album, I think, as, as the music did. And, um, you know, of course, contributed a lot to the reputation they got in the late 80s for being these kind of earnest, uh, po-faced, as Steve Averill says about them, um, rockers. And, um, but it's just, you know, I'm, I'm with Kelly, just sigh. You know, it's it's gorgeous. It's been it's been reinvigorated brilliantly on the 2017 tour, um, you know, with the the videos that become the backdrops for the songs. And um, yeah, it's just it's gorgeous. It's the it's it's black and white. Gold comes in as another one of those neutral colors, uh, like the red accent color. And, you know, Bono's moved past the mullet. Yeah, <laughs> and there's so rejoicing. Question: What did you think of the white in color, like a uh, re-release cover that they re- made, compared to the black uh, background of the black and white picture? Crazy about it. I love, I loved it. Kelly, you are or not crazy about it? Oops. I am. It was like the Wizard yes. of Oz, you know, going from Kansas <laughs> to Emerald City. Oh, I just gasped when I saw it the first time. It's like, wow. Yeah. So good. It was just just brilliant, a brilliant realization because, you know, you've got a 30-year-old album that you're re-releasing and how do you, um, you know, how do you update it while keeping it the same? And so I thought this um, sort of foray into uh, uh, muted colors was just so brilliant and, and making the, the black white um, was just breathtaking perfect perfect yeah don't don't hate me but i as soon as i thought i thought it kind of looked like a bootleg it just (laughs) the white and the color just is so antithetical to what the joshua tree is visually to me I, Uh i think i think the joshua tree is very specific in how it can be used like i like the image of the tree on a black field like for a poster or for the album cover but for most anything else i think it looks a little bit off and then with the album just it it has to be like massive black and white expanses like that's one of the things i loved about the joshua tree show where at least for the first three songs it looked like it was a giant gatefold vinyl album just opened up on the stage because they had black Mm -hmm. above and below the image and then there was just a massive gorgeous 8k black and white like strip of image uh uh, from left to right and i thought that did a superb job of conveying the vibe of the original Gatefold album. And when I saw the, the color version with the uh, white field, it just uh, didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to say that I think it's pretty gutsy that this is a band at its cutest and this is how they choose to present <laughs> themselves. 
Um, <laughs> especially Edge. I think he's an acquired taste. Um, <laughs> I think he was sort of the blank slate for their stylist during this era. You know, like like the others might have said no to a thing or two, but Edge is just like, you know, do it, do whatever you're gonna do with me. And, <laughs> and so yeah, he they look so yeah. Un 80s, you know, they look like immigrants. They look like immigrants from the 1920s or something. And I, I will say to back up, to back up what you said at the Vertigo Portland show, I was there with two straight male friends, and they both agreed that Edge was the best looking member of the band. <laughs> yes, he's aging magnificently. Absolutely. I think Larry will have something to say about that. <laughs> no. No, I told him Larry was, and they were both like, what? No. no. <laughs> All right, we'll save that for the, uh, <laughs> the other podcast episode discussion of <laughs> your favorite member of you two. Um, what about the, uh, just visually, I know, like, um, where is this one? This, the gold lame, whatever, kind of <laughs> on the shirt. Is that where this is primarily being used, or is there other places that they're presenting this? Um, they did have a little, like, uh, collar pin or tie pin or whatever it is that also had a little gold Joshua tree. Yeah. It's on the back of the backpack, I guess, too, or in, oh, in that's right, that's right. slightly, I don't think it has the, the sunburst or whatever in the background, but um, yeah. Thoughts on this. Do you mean, do you mean the vinyl uh, record holder bag? Yeah. Ian's <laughs> pulling it out. There you go. Yeah. That idea. Shiny. <laughs> Is Ian just what you were saying before about sort of like not liking the color in not liking Joshua Tree, associating it with having color almost in a sense? Does this kind of this is like the opposite of that, where it's got a lot of just like in your face color, I guess, in a way? Does it take for it away me, from you or is it for me? Like I said, it works well if it's just against a stark black plane, like it, it would be in a poster or something like that. I think this the t shirt just barely works. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when they start doing it, it's like earrings or like straw shapes or whatever they're doing selling in the concerts these days it's yeah no thanks <laughs> <laughs> i think they had to justify uh the you know what they're charging for all those re-releases and throw some uh some gold foil out there yeah. um <laughs> it's real gold is that like 24 karat maybe? yeah <laughs> 24 karat uh, magic <laughs> all right and then uh we'll Keep her moving. We got uh, Rattle and Hum next. Oops, wrong one. Uh, where are we? Lost my page. There we go. Fairly iconic photo album cover as well. Um, yeah, I always felt it was a little bit. Uh, it, it feels more like an extension of the Joshua Tree than an actual release in and of itself, just because mm -hmm. all the images were taken from the Joshua Tree shows and even with the 2017 Joshua Tree show, Bono is recreating this image with the spotlight and all that. And it's, it, it doesn't feel like it's, at least to me, it's truly an album of its own. It does feel visually like it is just an extension of the Joshua Tree and the Joshua Tree ethos. Zoo Ropa was definitely able to separate itself from Octung Baby, but I don't think Rattle and Hum really could from Joshua Tree. And you think primarily, like visually anyways, we're, we're speaking obviously uh, first, most, foremost here, but um, just because of that, because it's kind of visually 
kept the same aesthetic, didn't sort of set itself its own tone. Um, I don't know if you have the singles, the singles I always, I, that's, this is when I started collecting some U2 stuff and yeah, the all I want is you cover and, um, and desire and Angela Harlem. I think I had all those CD singles anyways, back in the day. Um, and for me, it was kind of like a, this is a visual and giving me a identity to this band that I was sort of diving into going back to their catalog or whatever a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess the sort of black and white, dark aesthetic, um, look to it carried over from Joshua tree and yeah. in that sense. So two things I have about the desire single with Larry, a, he doesn't have his tattoo yet. And B True. that polio scar, the polio injection mm-hmm. scar always catches my eye. And whenever he's sleeveless <laughs> and showing off his oh arms, I always look for that scar. Wow. <laughs> that's, it's just, that's what caught my eye the first time I saw it. Oh, he's got, oh, he's got a polio injection. <laughs> There you go. Um, I think Edge continues to be an acquired taste with uh, that single. (laughs) 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 Were there there two different, like, both, there's two different versions, I believe, of that single, and he's at different positions in his jump. Oh, really? It was like the CD had a slight, him at a slightly different position in the jump than the vinyl did or something like that. And it's just like, they were really that picky about where he was (laughs) at his little jump. (laughs) (laughs) They both say so much, you know. (laughs) And I'm sure there's the Adam fans just for for them to, for the Angel of Harlem cover. I'm sure there are Adam fans out there (laughs) who are. uh... Boy. (laughs) All right. On that note, <laughs> get into the album. This is the album that was my entry to you two. And Kelly, actually, just quickly, we uh, when you're new on the show, first time on the show, we ask how and when you got into you two. So, what was your in thirty uh, seconds or less on the spot now? Very, what was your <laughs> your you two introduction? Um, 1983, when MTV came to my town, and uh, yeah. This was right around the time um, Sunday Bloody Sunday was being played all the time and um, uh, New Year's Day and those early videos. And I liked them. I did not love them until like Joshua Tree. I was just aware of their work. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I started to like them and started to buy their records around 1983. Nice. And I was 13. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Actung Baby, obviously, we famously had uh, alternate covers that, going back to the Adam fans, um, <laughs> were much more interested in than, than this one, presumably they would be. Um, but uh, I forget who had, uh, Kelly, you had. Me. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I am a watercolor painter and I spend my entire day dealing with color. And to me, finally some color um, on this album and I think it's gorgeous and fascinating and experimental there's there's like drag things happening it's occasionally humorous um, everyone looks just next level fantastic um, there's colors sort of a uh, black white red yellow blue thing going on that is just super appealing to me no matter what it's dealing with and they look like rock stars you know and they're in mysterious places where are they in some of these 
Um, it's the kind of booklet that you study while you listen to the music to get clues as to what might be going on with the music. Um, this came out pre-internet, and all we had to go by was the Fly video. And that was super intriguing, you know, to say the least. But all this packaging was a nice surprise when you bought it, when I bought it, um, the day it came out at midnight. Midnight. Um, so I think, yeah, the packaging was fantastic and probably my favorite. Um, let's see, I've written down that Bono said um, each one of these images could have been its own album cover, which is awesome. And Steve Averill said that no single image is going to capture the large change that they've made in the music, um, which I, totally makes sense to me. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of similar to um, Exile on Main Street by the Rolling Stones with that grid happening and all the different pictures. Um, and I believe it was the last album that was designed for a 12-inch album rather than like a 12-centimeter CD. So if you got it on the CD, each of these little pictures is so tiny, you just had to really like scrutinize it. And that's, that's exactly what I did. Um, the, the hand lettering font is gorgeous, really beautiful. It's breathtaking. For me, this is the album that really drives home that this band does not like to be photographed in focus. <laughs> they, are, they are always kind of blurry or kind of distorted, mm -hmm. even with... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, even with so much of their promotional stuff, I mean, especially if it's Anton Corbin or... Uh, one of the regular photographers, they're always slightly grainy, slightly blown yeah. out. Um, they've always got mm -hmm. some like color splash put over them. They just, it's so hard to find official U2 images that are just clean and tight and in focus right. and color accurate. And part of me likes what it does for them. I think with Octane Baby, they used it to its best effect just because it does just blast you with so many images and so many ideas but the other times it just seems like they just don't want to be photographed clearly and they're happy to have a bit of barbara mm -hmm. walters vaseline over the lens and <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i agree with you as somebody who draws them for 15 years trying to find good focus photos of them is the bane of my existence and <laughs> yeah <laughs> For sure, they will revisit that a lot. And these are also the the singles. I remember collecting all these mm -hmm. like CD singles and sort of piecing them together and trying to come up with some sort of pattern or. <laughs> yeah, it makes a thing. whole big poster like image. Mm -hmm. no. Yeah, I really feel like this was. Um, I mean, it's hard to separate this being the album that really drew me into you two in a huge way, and also then thinking that it's the best set of design work they had as a whole piece, I guess. Um, cause it is so just iconic in my, my history, my YouTube history anyways. Um, but, but yeah, I really love just the, the abstractness with also the rock star, like you, I think Kelly, you said just like they're yeah. finally sort of accepting the fact, whether it's ironically or not that they're rock stars and they're going to do some crazy stuff and, be photographed right. in weird places and not just weird castle out of focus places, but 
places rock stars might be photographed. Yeah, they're, they're not these ethereal pixie leprechauns anymore. They're, they're, they're men who might even have sex. I don't know. And, uh, it's, it's the coolest. They, they have these abstract passages where it's like the graffiti parts on that uh, car or, you know, like little tiny photos of genuine human emotion, you know, and I think that kind of echoes what's going on in the music. You have these really intimate songs and then you have this incredible distortion on the guitar and other instruments. Such a great album. Mm -hmm. Beth, are you there? Well, uh, I can hear you, I can't see you. So I'm, I'm here. I I backed out and came back in because it seems I'm having technical difficulties. Uh, but so we'll have visualist um, Beth or whatever, but you can, we can hear you. So, <laughs> uh, well, that's the important part. Um, yeah, Octane's my, Octane's my favorite. It's, it hypnotized me. Uh, you know, Kelly covered it beautifully. There's just so much to dissect and, um, it's, uh, it's just like in, indecision personified with the cover and, uh, and I love it. Um, yeah, going back to the cover, sorry, just to, from a design perspective, I guess, is it, is it a cop out to use, you know, a whole bunch of images and just cause they couldn't settle on one or is that like a really smart design choice or really innovative or whatever, you know, it's kind of callback, like I think Kelly said about Exxon main street and that kind of idea and just using a grid or is it cop out, um, <laughs> make a decision on which way you want to go kind of thing. Or is it, I guess maybe just, we couldn't use Adam naked. So this is what you get. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think it's I think it's it's the visuals are as textured and layered as the as the music is and so I think it's so appropriate for the uh, for the album cover and for the emergence of um a, a new identity as a band but you know just experiments and identity and taking on all these identities and you know that comes through in their experiments in drag and um you know, just all the, the the alter egos that appeared during this time. So I think it's all just, you know, visual play as they try to find themselves. Yeah, I, I think if this album wasn't a response to 80s U2, then it may have been a bit of a cop-out. But as a response, as like a kind of a refuting of 80s U2 in a way, the, this is the perfect response. Just blasts of images and ideas and colors and then... For the tour, they just throw them all, all these images and ideas up on the TVs and blast them that way. Yeah. yeah. I think it's totally in line with the overall idea of the album. Is that the first time Edge is in my, <laughs> again, my U2 stage at this point was like, or my knowledge of U2 mythology at that time was Edge is never seen without anything on his head. And so in the top left corner of this album, there's like a glimpse of Edge without a toque or without a hat, or without a. <laughs> Anyways, it was one of those, I remember just commenting or one of my friends saying how it was like this big deal that Edge was seen without uh, some sort of head covering of some sort. So um, anyways, we'll uh, too far. Keep moving back up (laughs) through to Zoropa, which I love this. I don't know why, but I'm not design enough, smart enough design wise with my words as I fumble over to the basic sentence <laughs> to know why exactly I love this, but I, I just love the sort of hand-drawn alien dude. I forget what his name is and mixed in with all the other visuals, but someone else can jump off onto the, onto so Zoropa. Quick vote. Do you call the little alien dude baby face or little lemon head? 
Uh, neither. I, I, I go between space zoo baby, baby and space baby and astro space baby. baby. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I was Same. associated with lemon. So for me, he's kind of shaped like a little lemon head. Totally. Yeah. Now I will. Uh, mm-hmm. Understandable. <laughs> I, I love this album cover probably as much as anything they've ever released. Uh, uh. It's, it is literally so layered and there's so much to pick apart with each layer. You got the, little zoo baby in his astronaut suit who's stuck in space to represent the Russian astronaut that was stuck in space after the Soviet Union collapsed. You got the uh, European Union stars to show the birth of, uh, well, uh, the strengthening of Western Europe against the fallen Soviet empire. And then beneath that, you've got like these ghostly, like, Oh, I don't even have to describe it. Ghostly, fuzzy titles of future U2 songs that you don't even know are there until the song's been released. <laughs> and then you go, oh, wait a minute. Let's wake up Dead Man in all the static back there. Oh, oh, crazy. There's if God will send his angels and hold me, throw me, kiss me, kill me. So, I mean, they were like giving you a preview of future album or future songs that mm-hmm. were going to come out. Um, but if you didn't know to look for it, it wasn't even there. And then you go beneath that and you have so many of the TV images that they used uh, on the interior of the album and just uh, that tie in with the ideas of the album, like pictures of Lennon and uh, it's hard to make them out a bit, but yeah, yeah I just, there's so much to chew up in this album and its art. And what really blows my mind is this was like what a six week EP that they released. Yeah. They have Crazy. this much, <laughs> this many ideas and this much content crammed into something that they whipped out in a month and a half. And then I look at songs of innocence and I love songs of innocence, but it took them four years and it's typeset and there's three pictures. ah. Constraints of stuff, something like that is almost, it seems like seems obvious to a fan anyways, who is that so minded that maybe time constraints work really good and work in their favor and maybe try it sometime. Just, Put an album out in six weeks again and see what happens. Maybe it's like the most amazing thing or it's just uh, whichever album is your least favorite insert there. But, you know, yeah. Anyone else with some? I, I, I love it because it's, it's, it's such an abstraction. It's sort of the antithesis to the October cover. Um, I love the, the story, the narrative we get with zoo baby or whatever you shall call him. Um, you know, he, he makes his first appearance on the, the CD cover of Octung, and then he shows up on Zeropa, and then he shows up on um, one of the Stay single covers as an angel. And so, you know, we, we see him uh, or her or it um, transform from baby to cosmonaut to angel. And, um, you know, I just think it's, it's kind of like some of Bono's nomadic lyrics, like Dream Out Loud, um, you know, it's, it's, we have this nomadic little icon who, um, showed up in screen graphics on tours, um, and showed up with the, uh, you know, that special release Octune, um, baby covered. Um, do you guys remember that, mm-hmm. that came mm-hmm. out yep. a few years ago? Um, and, uh, uh, you know, has, has shown up on a few shirts, even showed up in 360, um, you know, as part of the storyteller on screen. So he's just, uh, he's, he's endearing. He's a popular tattoo. And, um, I think it's, I think it's the abstraction of this character that, 
is so appealing to so many people. It's like, you know, you can love your band and be cool without having it sort of emblazoned mm-hmm. on you. Yeah. I also liked when he showed up in uh, Vertigo and what's Bono's youngest son's name? Elijah? Mm-hmm. Or I think Elijah. And yes. Gavin yeah. Friday got him going, Mama, Mama, Mama. <laughs> and they just playing yeah, and they're like the slot the, machines. Yep, yeah. I just, yeah. yeah, I love how the little zoo baby has persisted. Yeah. I wanted to say I uh, put this up, this uh, Zoo TV Live from Sydney onto our images, because this is more what I expected Zooropa, the album cover, to look like, you know, Mm -hmm. a little more direct than than what we got. Um, Love them both. Mm -hmm. And these are some images from the uh, tour um, program. It feels more like a halfway point. Halfway between Octon Baby and Zoropa. It's yeah. got a bit more of the like color aspects of uh, Zoo TV, but with kind of the extension that Zoropa put on it. Mm-hmm. I love there's that TV, uh, that t shirt in the bottom right corner with it's somebody else yes. wearing the fly glasses, and it looks a little bit demonic, a little bit creepy. It's, yeah. it's really awesome. It's amazing to see it in real life where somebody wore it at a concert I went to and I was just nice. like, wow. Nice. Amazing. Yeah, if I'm going to be very specific, it was actually the Zoo TV video on VHS at the time, not DVD, but that uh, was actually my true sort of uh, gateway drug, I guess, as mm. it were. The free one that a guy had at his condo that I happened to be staying at and watched that. It was like, okay, this is a band I need to check out and, and investigate because... Yeah. Yeah, it was like I love the the rock star, anti rock star. But at the time, I didn't really realize it was ironic or an attempt to <laughs> shed mm-hmm. anything from the past. It just seemed like that's who they are. So, um, well, briefly for anybody who's not counting passengers as now, I know <laughs> you'll have to fight Ian. But talk to me about passengers um, and how it fits. It has absolutely nothing to do with anything. And, uh, <laughs> I think they took this image from a children's book, like a Czech children's book or something like that. Um, I do like the visual imagery of the Miss Sarajevo single where they have the uh, beauty pageant and the please don't let them kill us image. But yeah, for the most part, it's, it's, it's a cool footnote, but I don't know how much it actually says to them and their Mm -hmm. overall design aesthetic. Yeah, that's the one. Is that, I mean, is that like, those are like saucepans, right? Kind of looks, yeah, like I see what you're going, like saucepans or whatever. Yeah, or like a space. colander. Space. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. And like a very kind of obvious attempt to make sure that you knew this wasn't YouTube yeah. per se. <laughs> First and last time they use an actual painting illustration, you know, instead yeah. of something photo based. <laughs> And uh, then we go on to pop, which I think I was going to talk Kelly, about Kelly, yeah. Yeah, well, I really like this album cover, but I don't exactly love it. But for the most part, I love it just musically. Um, I had this poster up, just this recreation of the pop cover. 
had this up in my art class. And I remember telling my students that this is a band that is doing everything right. <laughs> <laughs> right before like this giant backlash. Um, the, the illustrations of the band are kind of an Andy Warhol slash Roy Lichtenstein type style. And that to me, this is why I don't really love it. It just seemed kind of like the obvious thing to do. Um, and as an art teacher, as a high school art teacher, that this is an average art project that I would assign my kids to do. Like, <laughs> like draw yourself the way Andy Warhol would. <laughs> the back cover of it has just the arch, and it's a complete snooze. Um, <laughs> if you have that, I, I, what a ripoff. <laughs> but the inside art is really exciting. Um, oh, yeah, the back. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> Come on. (laughs) Um, The inside art has the band members kind of on a grid, you know, like like they're being just images placed onto some kind of design. You've got Edge here um, just with his face mostly cut off. Um, You can see kind of his chin, his chest, this unbelievable shirt. He's wearing is just like a complete 180 from 10 years ago when he was, you know, (laughs) jumping with giant holes in his jeans. But um, (laughs) yeah, this is this is I think just so amazingly colorful and fun. And Bono said this is probably as hedonistic as we got as a band, and it seems to really reflect in the color choices and style here. Oh, also the well, booklet you can. I'm I'm sorry. You, in the booklet, you can fold it out to make you know any of the individual band members just be its own cover, which I think is a cute idea. Which I never did. And that that Pop Mart booklet is such uh, an indulgence. You know, they they embrace this this whole idea of commerce and um, indulgence and going over the top with the music and how they sold it. And then this uh, tour booklet comes out. And from a production standpoint, um, from a design standpoint, you have um, this die cut cover. You know, pop with. Um, you know, letters made out of holes that are cut out. You have um, this reflective, shiny foil cover, which is expensive. You have neon colors in it, which are more expensive to print. You have a freaking cutout of, you know, pop out cutout of the edge in it. Um, And it was just, it was, it was an extravagance. And, um, you know, uh, especially in comparison with what's to come next with all that you can't leave behind. It's just so fun and you know it's just candy it is candy is a good word for it so i was in the very fortunate position of being able to buy uh these uh posters that were um the tour poster the cover and then each one of their individual faces. So it was six posters in all that had kind of perforated connections. So they're just these wow. massive, like eight foot long posters that were, you know, and they were all official. And so me in my young stupidity, I thought, well, wouldn't these be more useful if I tore them at the perforations and separated them into individual <laughs> small papers? And I oh, thought, man. well, I want to preserve these. I can't really afford framing because I'm young and, young and dumb. <laughs> 
So maybe I'll just have them laminated and put on foam board. And so now they just look like garbage. And it's one of those things I regret to this day. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Yeah, lovely. Like, yeah. I love just the colors. And it. I mean, part of it almost looks like colorful rust, where just the way the dots play out where the things on the corners are decaying, but each band member has their own color to show how they're decaying. And they're just kind of rusting and fading away at the edges. And sometimes that allows you to see some of the image that's underneath. And other times it just means the image is disappearing into white. And yeah, this is, I, this is probably uh, Zuropa's my favorite cover, but this one, I just love how much thought and effort they put into it. They had this, it came with the uh, DVD. It was a screensaver that you could uh, install on your computer. It doesn't work on modern computers, unfortunately, but it had just the different components <laughs> of the Pop Mart design, and you could just reassemble mm-hmm. them as you wanted to make new wallpapers however you wanted and they had like the arch and the different pop like uh male pop female pop soccer ball logos uh and you could rearrange them however you wanted it's just the coolest stuff ever and they haven't released any modern versions of it (laughs) all lost to like there wasn't this with the era of like the microsoft they had a microsoft pop site or something it was like i remember some website that was affiliated with them Marketing they were streaming and, the making of the album on Microsoft, I think, on MSN. Right, yeah. yeah. All sorts of fun. All right, mm-hmm. we're, uh, we're going to have to keep going. As much fun as dwelling in the pop era would be. Uh, moving on to the band in an airport with all that you can't leave behind. Beth, do you want to take this one? Uh, sure. Um, again, just in contrast against pop, uh, you know, you have, yeah, you know, pop wasn't, um, wasn't a commercial success. Uh, it was daring. It was adventurous. It alienated a lot of fans. And then they, they come back with all that you can't leave behind and they're, they're earnest, they're grown up, they've all turned 40. Um, and they're going in through new phases in life. Uh, cause that's, you know, that's what happens when you turn 40 as you grow up. And, uh, and so in, um, the music was a return to, sort of sincerity and visually the um, the design team wanted to reflect that. And so you get the more um, serious black and white photography, you get them sort of straightforward, captured in a moment. Um, but for me, the, the really interesting stuff is what's going on inside um, the album cover on this one. Um, uh, in, in wanting to return to more sincere lyrics and communication, essentially, the design team wanted to do that as well. And they did that through the use of pictographs in the liner notes. And so the entire album has a symbol, uh, which is the heart and suitcase, which is, uh, I, I think, easily U2's most popular symbol um, or mark of any kind. But then they, they designed these pictographs for every single al- uh, song in the album. And, um, you know, pictographs are about communication in its most basic form. You have them um, pictured in uh, an airport on the cover, and that's where we see these international symbols that help us navigate life. And 
so what I what I love is um, yeah that that image you have up, Chris. The um, the inspiration for the symbol came from this set of symbol signs, which were des uh, designed by the U.S. Department of Transportation and a design organization, um, AIGA. And um, if you look down, kind of towards the the bottom, back on that symbol signs poster. Um, there's one called, there's a, there's a line called processing activities. And you can see the second and third one over are suitcases. And what I love is that they're the symbols both, it's the same symbol for baggage check-in and baggage claim. So both sending off your baggage and picking it up. And I just think that's, you know, it's, it's, it's the brilliance of the design team, but it's also, you know, the brilliance of Bono um, with lyrics like from walk on. So, um, and then, you know, that ties in with even the font they use, that that iconic Euro style font um, that they, um, uh, Sean McGrath kind of perfectly proportioned the heart and suitcase um, shape to uh, fit with the the U2 logo that they designed for, for use on that cover. So graphically, this is the most exciting one for me. Um, it's just so so potent and so meaningful and it's this return to communication and you have uh you know the, all this weirdness we have to process on pop and then we get all that you can't leave behind and we get songs like it's a beautiful day <laughs> like how much <laughs> how much clearer can can he be and and really you know tongue twisters but you're stuck in a moment that you can't get out of it's like he's talking to us but he's he's singing to us and so i think the i think the visuals just go so beautifully with it what did you call the little symbols? Pictographs? Pictogram. Pictographs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, those visually sold the album for me. I had a t-shirt and it just had like a stripe that had five of them across. And there's something about U2's work when they, when it's not a picture of the band, but rather them like coming up with symbols and visual explanations of what they're doing, it resonates so much more deeply with me than just the band images do and those pictographs like the one for stuck in a moment where it's just the four arrows coming together and the beautiful day with the rocket ship mm -hmm. and it became the sunshine and just ah, i loved all of it it was so cool and i've told myself that if i ever get a tattoo it's going to be the suitcase with the heart in it well, call me up when you do it and I'll document it. <laughs> uh, but even that, that stuck in a moment symbol, you know, those arrows pointing to the dot, like it's a gorgeous symbol, but it's also, um, uh, I think it was on, it's, a, it's like a roadside symbol in Germany, maybe. Um, uh, or it was, it appears in some, some um, German typeface. Um, but, it, but then they're just reappropriated beautifully. I mean, McGrath didn't make a whole bunch of changes from that, um, symbol of the suitcase for baggage claim to to the heart and suitcase, mm -hmm. but it just works, and uh, I think it's I think it's understated yet sublime. And I'm with you, Ian. If I if I should ever get a tattoo, it'll it'll most likely be that. But for now, it's just on my keychain. <laughs> actually, this image that's up that was just up um, that like squiggly heart. It, it it's just so much epitomizes what this album and the tour were about for me. Just it's, it's honesty, it's love, it's whatever like standard quintessential traits you want to put on you two. But at the same time, it feels at least at the time it felt modern. It felt ambitious. It felt creative. Uh, I, yeah. 
this like heart <laughs> would draw itself whenever you put the DVD into the player. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I loved it so much. <laughs> well, I think I would like this more if it hadn't kicked off their entire design black and white aesthetic for the next 15 years. <laughs> We're never going to see another full color album from them again, maybe. And, and I, think I, I want to come out and say that's too bad, you know. But yeah, that's actually the one very thing that cohesive me. design. It's the one thing that worries me about that cover that they're showing for songs of experience. It's like, no, it's experience. You should be showing like blasts of color and stuff. Yes, Don't show like yes. old timey pictures of your children. <laughs> I, I think that's a beautiful picture, but yeah, yeah, another black and white one. It seems eminent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's keep going to uh, how to dismantle an atomic bomb. And I know Ian from having had you uh, talk my ear off in Vancouver about it and <laughs> how much you love. You still have both of them. Don't exaggerate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're one's covered up. <laughs> but no, uh, tell me about what you love about this, even though I've I just, heard it. But yeah, so I think the photos, I think the front photo gets a bit of a bad rap. I like it. It's not my favorite picture, but I like it. It's just, I can see them in like the Portuguese sun just kind of wilting a bit. And they're just slumped over and they grab a picture of them. Um, I think the interior po- pictures pretty much for the most part look like garbage just because they're so heavily pixelated and blown out. But it's, it's this right here. I love the symbols and like the shapes and colors that they used with this album. I love these caution stripes. I like the chevrons that they had on the uh, All Because of You single. For me, uh, the original The Species cover is about my favorite non-youtube photograph image ever it's got those lines it's got the circles the uh, vertigo target circles it's everything about it is just so perfectly thought out and works so well with the tone of the music the tone of the concert it's yeah it's it's design perfection for them that one right there yeah i think the cover looks like a bunch of middle-aged men man spreading on a subway (laughs) (laughs) you have obviously never been to portugal have you (laughs) (laughs) it's more common than you (laughs) (laughs) and they're in their orthopedic shoes (laughs) i believe i believe you're very comfortable I am not a fan of this one myself. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. I don't like the giant black funereal border around the photo of them. Um, I think Bono looks kind of snuggly in the photo, but the rest of them just seem bored, you know, (laughs) man-spready, like Beth said. Exactly. Um, The back cover is completely forgettable. I mean, can you even put your finger on what that that looked like? Uh, I, I, I like the picture itself. <laughs> Have you seen the picture without the text and the border and everything? Uh, it's still these, these <laughs> high contrast, really grainy black and white photos. Yeah. It's just, they're getting older, but they're not that old. You, you know, that you don't need to high contrast them to the point where they're just barely recognizable. And when I think of this tour's um, image, the, the, like the signature image, it's that curtain with the, uh, you know, little video tennis balls all over it. 
which was gorgeous. And I wish they could have used that kind of color some, somehow in the packaging for the album. But, well, so what, yeah. what did you think of the City of Blinding Lights cover then? Eh, pretty good. I mean, but they did use the they used the they bulbs used for the cover. But but I mean, it's just this yellow. I don't know. Well, but they had different versions. <laughs> there was like a blue one, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and, well, so and for me, then, the black, white, and red that belongs to the white stripes at this point, and it seems sort of derivative <laughs> to, to people. So you don't think it belongs to war? Uh, too much time has passed. <laughs> we and they cut off Edge's disagree. head again on Vertigo. <laughs> well, that time the guitar actually was important. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But, I mean, one of the things that struck me when I was looking at these images before we did this is they were doing the songs of experience where they'd separate the S-O-N and G-S. And I thought it mm-hmm. looked hokey as heck. But I realize on here they do the Verdi and then go. And I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy it. I, oh, I, do. I love it. I do. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, where are we here? We're going on to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well. We still got two albums to go. No. Don't get too excited. It's not bedtime yet. There is, uh, yeah, go ahead, Ian. This, I mean, this along with Passengers, I think, are the only two albums where it hasn't been their original artwork on the cover. Um, and I don't... I try to figure out what the equality sign meant on the front. Because, I mean, I'm not sure if it means, like, equality for all people or they're, like, balancing the sky above the horizon with the ocean below the horizon. Or, I mean, obviously, the way it's commonly used today, it's a gay rights symbol, but it doesn't seem to really apply for this album. And I, I love the album itself. I love to use it as wallpaper on my computer or my iPad or whatever. But that it they had to do like a special sleeve over the album because the photographer himself said they couldn't do anything to uh, interfere with the photograph he had taken of the Mm -hmm. sea. And I, I, I still am trying to figure out exactly what they were trying to communicate with that equal sign. Um, The album itself, I both like it and am, I don't want to say I don't like it, but it, it makes me a little unsettled just because I think for me, this is the first album where they are starting to look like older middle-aged men. And especially Larry has that cane. And I mean, it is, it's, 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 it's a symbol. I mean, it's a symbol of them. I thought it was a shillelagh. (laughs) It's a symbol of them getting older. And I mean, they're progressing. And what does that mean for rock stars who don't want to do the same thing again and again? Uh, like the <laughs> Stones do, but who like want to move forward and want to be relevant artists. They're accepting of their age and all that comes with that. But at the same time, it's what what does that say about them as a band? I don't remember noticing Larry having the cane when I first had the album. I'm trying to remember why, but and and I also didn't notice Edge sort of has a bit of a smirk almost yeah. on his face. Hey, everyone else is kind of. Yeah dour and we're you too and we don't have emotion 
We just yeah. are looking in different directions. Yeah, always looking in different directions. <laughs> Sometimes it's yeah, the, a tree all over again. Yeah, <laughs> just a little like art or band artwork or band photograph one hundred and one kind of stuff. What they do a bit of, but uh, yeah. <laughs> This one, the uh, the disconnect between album artwork and tour um, is, is jarring for me. I, I love them both, um, but, you know, No Line on the Horizon as the album was understated and um, quiet and, uh, you know, abstract in terms of the typography and the equal sign. And then you get 360 and it's, you know, organic and it's, you know... Um, out of this world and it's colorful and it's bright. And um, so they, they, they seem distant. And I think that's appropriate seeing as how they distance themselves from the album by the end of that tour. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of the, the treatment of the, the U2 on the singles anyways? I, I don't know where else it was used, but that sort of big block re modification of the. I, I love it. It's very, um, uh, you know, again, geometric, it's abstract, it's de style. If we, if we dip into art movements and, uh, sort of the, the neutrality that, that came out of, um, uh, the Netherlands after the, the first world war. Um, and I think it harkens back nicely to Larry's first attempt at a logo on that shirt we looked at because it's, um, it is just so geometric. It's assembled out of shapes. Um, and, you know, I just love the, the abstract quality, um, you know, of it contribute that that contributes to. (laughs) I gotta say for the uh, interior photos of uh, the album, I expected it to just be drenched in color because they had spent time in Fez. And again, Mm -hmm. they, they went with black and white little Fez scenes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I feel like, you know, this band, you know, if they could, they would change the color of their skin to just black and white and just get it over <laughs> <with>. <laughs> Or and blurry probably too. Mm-hmm, not, mm-hmm. not in focus. Yeah. Yeah, very soft focus black and white. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and you think about that um that that great shot of them recording in Morocco, you know, overhead with the carpets uh, in the studio. And, you know, the carpets themselves are these gorgeous tapestries of color and thread. And you're Mm -hmm. right, Kelly, like, it's just, it's void of color. And what are you thinking? What's up? (laughs) Yeah, especially for an album that, yeah, like you said, Beth, I think is so full of potentially life and color and excitement and has its moments, obviously, but yeah. And then leading with get on your boots, it kind of feels like it just doesn't communicate. If uh, all that you can't leave behind had such clear messaging, this one is just like, yeah. And I, I often wonder, I don't know how, if they've ever sort of let out in any of the books or any of the history of the band or whatever, but just like how the creative process really works and not just that, like how hands-on they are with stuff versus on one album and how hands-off they are on another album. If that sort of correlates to when the messaging doesn't always line up and, and things like that. And, um, cause it, yeah, sometimes it seems like they wouldn't have had time to go through all the, like say on all that you can't leave behind all the iconography and, and symbols and stuff. Um, but then 
uh, yeah, other albums that's like this one where there's just kind of devoid of any of that interesting stuff being added in the set just because they were busy saving the world and doing other stuff or, <laughs> or they really intentionally <laughs> wanted it to be that way. So, um, but we'll keep moving to the final for now, knock on wood that they haven't released something as we record, <laughs> but <laughs> so, songs, of innocence. songs of innocence. So um, lots of color again. Oh, it's so mm-hmm. drenched with color. Um, I, I love that this is Larry and his son, and I think it's kind of awesome how the Russians thought that this was a homoerotic image, but it's just so <laughs> dark. Um, the the darkness on either side of them is just, like I said before, funereal, and the music inside does not sound this dark at all. So there's a little disconnect for me with the, the image, which is a beautiful image, and the music. Um the white sleeve that was originally the cover is the mm-hmm. actual worst. And to me, this is what the millennials really should have been upset about <laughs> rather than the music they got on their, uh, their phones. It's this, this image. I just not even trying. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved it. <laughs> I was so disappointed that this wasn't the, wasn't the studio art. Um, I just, I, it's, oh, no. it's, uh, it's meta as the kids say, Kelly. Um, oh. <laughs> you know, just this, <laughs> this, this vinyl, uh, appearance and a tiny little icon on your, on your iPhone. Um, it's just, <laughs> I loved it. The return of some handwriting, uh, the, the emergence of, of Larry's tattoo symbol, um, just becoming the, the face of the album. But, uh, um, you know, it's, it's you too. It's indecisive, um, having two covers and making everything perpetually hard to categorize. And, um, you know, there's no, there's no set canon. They're all. Yeah. It would have been neat if they were really doing sort of a meta callback. If and they had kind it included. of tying to, a what's that, Chris? I was going to say, if they were trying to do like a meta callback to, you know, the original album or something, you know, um, but to include actually out Larry's original artwork, like on that shirt or something to somehow include some of that oh, yeah. would have been a kind of a really neat callback to way oh, back yeah. at the beginning, but yeah. So, um, what I think is interesting about, um, this one right after no line on the horizon, Ian talked about the, um, the, the presence of the equal sign, um, being there only in cellophane form and, and being something, kind of temporal that you throw away unless you're a U2 fan, you hold on to your trash. Um, and this, <laughs> this one was the same way, like songs of innocence had, um, the title of it only in, in sticker form, um, on the front of the album. And I think it's on the spine, depending on what, um, what version you got. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're still being cryptic, uh, 40 years later in their career. Yeah. That photo shows yeah. the the label that would get thrown away. And then it shows what Ian was talking about with the, the kerning between the the N and the G yeah. and how deliberate that was to focus on, you know, like, I, I like, I think the designers thought, oh, we're going to put this clue in here so we can kind of, you know, cover our butts and no one's going to, no one can accuse us of, you know, homosexuality because look, it's right here on the cover. It says son, but I think they were, they were expecting a lot of their readers. <laughs> oh, whoops. That got in there. So <laughs> a happier time. 
Yeah, the one single uh, <laughs> feels a little like on the nose with the uh, every breaking wave and where would you put the band if they're talking every breaking wave? Well, of course you'd have them on the beach. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess what do you do? Yeah, it's too, this is what I do miss. I'm I'm not a cl- hardcore collector, and so I do I don't collect the singles, the CD singles and stuff the way I did when I first got into the band, and uh, for economic and just space reasons or whatever. But the I do miss sort of getting to sort of pour over some of the the artwork in the same way, and, and I'm sure lots of people have sort of ditched the the collection aspect of it unless you're a hardcore fan, obviously. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but and so you miss some of that the little touches and stuff that they have put into the, the album and the accompanying singles and stuff like that. So anything else on songs of of innocence, sorry, before just touching on, I guess a bit of the tour. Yeah. That reminds me of Andy Warhol's banana cover for the Velvet Underground and Nico. Mm -hmm. I love the yellow, love the black. And I love that yellow was sort of the signature color of the tour. Yeah, it really worked. I, uh, I have, I have that Andy Warhol album right here, and I'm holding it up to my uh, camera, but you guys can't see it. So just, just technical. <laughs> just imagine it. But they both, yeah, they yeah. both peel. I thought that was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, a nice little kind of punk throwback. Mm-hmm. I've just thought that. Uh, I've wondered why they didn't play ultraviolet on innocence and experience just because your love is a light bulb hanging over my bed and they just have this massive light bulb exactly. hanging over them. Seems like it would have been so perfect. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that's, that's so true. The, um, the tour booklet from IE was another fun one with um, it was uh, it was, you know, it was like two booklets in one. You read it one way, you flip it over, you read it another way. They they really played with the dichotomy between innocence and experience in, um, you know, not just in title, but in, uh, you know, like the innocent side has black and white photos and it has this uncoded paper. And then you flip it over and it's, um, you know, it, it blasts into color and it's on glossy printed paper. And uh, just love when they they carry the theme through the production details like that. Oh, is that the, uh, the, oh yeah, the image of them in bed. <laughs> Larry says, I can't, of all the things you've done to me, I can't believe you've done this to me. Yeah. Bonos, I made him do it. I made him do it. Edges, I can do anything. <laughs> and Larry is, I'm just happy to be in here. I wish I was in my kimono. Or Adam, yeah. yeah. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess that's about it. That is. And uh, so <laughs> We hope uh, hope the uh, we, this is a bit of an experiment and and uh, trial run of of doing some sort of visual uh, focused conversation about YouTube's design and artwork over the years and um, we'll uh, probably I don't know we'll see what uh, <laughs> for the audio folks it, there's a little less uh, a little less uh, interesting to follow along I guess it'll definitely be a visual <laughs> version that you'd want to check out so we may not release this on the audio podcast but we'll definitely have it on the YouTube channel um, and so uh, by way of uh, thanking folks I guess where can folks I guess if they disagree or have a uh, <laughs> discussion further beyond the show uh, where can they find you on the Twitters I guess they can probably see it but just for we'll start with you Kelly yeah I'm at Kelly Eddington on pretty much any social media you want and that's where you can also follow links from there I'm sure to 
check out her artwork and uh, awesome stuff there. Ian, how about you? Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Ian P. Ryan. And that's where you can also check out his artwork. <laughs> I don't know if there's artwork. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's mine too. Uh, and Beth, how about you? Uh, I am at Beth and Bono on Twitter. And uh, that, as you mentioned a few times throughout the YouTube project, or YouTube, in my head it goes like YouTube becomes YouTube tattoo as <laughs> one word, and I've, as if I've said it, but the tattoo project for YouTube that you've been doing over these years, where, where can folks find that? Uh, that's on Twitter at, um, at uh, <laughs> YouTube tattoo project uh, as well. And uh, it's been on a bit of a hiatus, but it's going to be resurrected again very soon. We had a, we had a big year with a few exhibits. Um, so kind of needed some downtime, but it's going to be back in full force very soon. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. We got, uh, well, I got the chance. Kelly did too, I think back in, well, that's a long time ago now, Cleveland, when we were there for the at U2 conference. Yeah, sep- September. Yeah, yeah feels yeah. like another world away, but uh, to check out the tattoo project there, and it was really cool to see it in person, and uh, and of course seeing Kelly's artwork there as well. And so, um, look forward to future stops in on the tours as they come around to our respective areas of the world. And uh, we thank you, folks, for listening or watching. I guess as the case may be, and uh, hope you enjoyed this. Uh, sort of discussion through U2's design career, not design career, artwork and design over their their career. And uh, of course you can check out at U2.com is where you can find news and information about the band U2 if you're not familiar with who we are and why we're here. And uh, <laughs> twitter.com slash ATU2 is the Twitter handle, facebook.com slash ATU2.com, I believe. And uh, I'm I, Chris, on Twitter. And you can find previous episodes of the podcast primarily in audio form, goodstuff.fm slash ATU2. And there's 60 some episodes of back catalog there. If uh, you're interested, we have done an album by album series that started from Boy all the way to Songs of Innocence, talking through, including Passengers, talking through uh, each album in great detail, probably more detail than you might want to even hear, but uh, it's all there. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you again next time. Bye.